Do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth, how many have you actually seen? These movies are so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture through references and homages that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you'd actually seen them. So why not join me, Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry and even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. And me, Joel, a man who likes films a lot but is constantly described by his friends as overly anal and picky. But I'll let you decide. Each week, we will break down and review a different film, from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated, bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss everything, everywhere, all at once. This is a 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The 2022 film directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Produced by the Russo brothers, wasn't it? Yeah, Anthony and Joe Russo of probably Avengers fame, I'd say the most. The MCU. I mean, should we just get straight into it? Because there is, I think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's, there's an awful lot. Oh, and it's my week for the plot summary. (laughs) I can't wait for this. Evelyn Wang, a middle-aged Chinese-American immigrant, runs a laundry mat with her husband, Waymond, with whom she eloped to the United States two decades earlier against the wishes of her demanding father. Waymond wants to tell his wife that he has filed for divorce, but is ignored by Evelyn, who is overwhelmed trying to prepare for a meeting with the IRS is auditing their business as well as trying to plan her Chinese New Year party which Gong Gong is visiting for. Also visiting is Evelyn's daughter Joy and her girlfriend Becky. Reluctant to accept Joy's lesbian relationship with a non-Chinese girl, Evelyn introduces Becky to Gong Gong as Joy's very good friend. So you've just described I would say a full film there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. A really good, really well acted family drama. Family drama. That is what and this film is, though. Is it? I I think so. I think if you break yeah, if you break it down enough levels, it it's is. a family drama. And you, this entire opening act could serve as a really good short film. Yeah. I, I I think it's I think it's really well done because it kind of I don't know conceptualizes the right work encompasses the entire film it it's like a perfect starter which is why I say this like a good well constructed film despite being absolutely mental it's a well constructed film because this is the this is the perfect starter it gives it gives you little tasters at like the rest of the themes throughout the film. Yeah, it tells you exactly what you're going to get. And even though you get distracted and it tries to tell you that you're about to get something else, this is what it ultimately breaks down to. Yes. It's it's the core of the story. 
is the like sort of yeah the starting point. Yeah, the 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 foundation. Let's talk about the cast. Starring Michelle Yu mm-hmm. or Yo, yeah, I think, and Kihu Kwan, who you may more famously know as Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Gadget from the Goonies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but not a lot else. No, so a very, very successful child actor, and obviously had Indiana Jones and the Goonies, and Hollywood sort of failed him. Really? Um, Because, I mean, it was the 80s, and there just, there was not a lot of roles for Chinese, Asian, Oriental actors. Unless your name's Jackie Chan. Unless your name's Jackie Chan. But even at this point, Jackie Chan was was on the downturn. Do you know what I mean? Really? I mean, name name a film that Jackie, apart from Rush Hour... Name a film Jackie Chan's been in the past 20 years. Oh, I don't know. Jackie Chan Adventures, the TV show. (laughs) I think that may have been over 20 years ago, Joel. Oh, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) We old. We old, boy. But yeah, so the industry sort of failed him. So he actually quit acting. He retired um, and went behind the camera and... um, and became like a, an AD, an assistant director, um, okay. for years and worked on films, but behind the scenes as part of the production crew. And then it wasn't until he saw Crazy Rich Asians, which did remarkably well at the box office, and he he realised, oh my God, they're actually making films about Chinese people with Chinese people in it. And yeah. I, I'm going to try and get back into Hollywood. Yeah, and yeah. this was his comeback. Big old comeback. I thought it was good. I, I didn't quite get the hype around the acting. I think there was... There's a, a number of things, though, behind the scenes that I think warrants why they got these acting roles, though. Okay. Does it alter your perception when you realise that most of these actors did their own stunts? Like, Michelle Yeoh was a a stunt woman back in the day, like in the 80s and stuff. She was, she is, and the female Jackie Chan. Okay, that that does change things. They almost wrote this film around her. It's what can Michelle Yeoh do, and they wrote a film around her. Okay. Because this film was originally offered to Jackie Chan. Really? And he turned it down. Oh. And so they went to Michelle Yeoh, who is the female Jackie Chan. And yeah, a, a remarkable amount of this film is that what you see is her doing it. That okay. is her. Okay, that does that does change things. Mm. It's remarkably practical. CGI and stuff. You will be amazed when you watch behind the scenes on how much of this they've actually done. And for the budget they had, this is ridiculous. Oh, fair. This was made... We don't have exact numbers, but between 14 and 25 million. No. Yeah. That was the budget of this film. And how much budget does the latest Marvel films have? Ooh. Hundreds of millions, <laughs> and this, this is, is 
This is it's funny that the Russos were involved because this this is kind of like this film is like a middle finger to Marvel to me. Yeah, it's, it's like it, how the multiverse should be done. Only other bit from the starting section really was I quite like the googly eyes. Great setup of the googly eyes. Yeah, like that come back quite a lot. Um, I quite liked how weird her husband was, Waymond. So He's a weird, cute. Yeah. And it's like... Nice guy. You're begging that she notices, aren't you? Yeah. Because this is a man who's clearly still putting 110% into this relationship. And she cannot see it. Mm. Before and after a tense meeting with the IRS inspector, Deirdre, Waymond's body is taken over by Alpha Waymond. A version of Waymond from the Alphaverse. Alpha Waymond explains to Evelyn over the course of the story that many parallel universes exist because every choice a person makes creates a new alternative universe. His wife, the late Alpha Evelyn, discovered the existence of universes and developed verse jumping technology, which enables one to transfer their consciousness to a parallel universe self and gain the skills and memories by performing a bizarre and statistically improbable action such as eating a tube of chapstick. The multiverse is threatened by Jobu Tupaki, the Alphaverse version of Joy, whose mind was splintered after Alpha Evelyn pushed her to extensively verse jump. Jobu is nigh omniscient due to experiencing all universes at once and can verse jump and manipulate matter at will. She has created an everything bagel topped with literally everything, which appears as a black hole that could destroy the multiverse. Okay, so this is where the film takes a 90-degree turn. Yeah. I mean, we had a little... We had a tiny tease of it, didn't we, in the laundromat, where you sort of see Wayman do some weird gymnastics on the CCTV behind Evelyn. Yeah. But this is when it goes... And God, I hope you're paying attention, because if you start missing stuff, it's very easy to get lost. It's quick, isn't it? But and... then, in I, like, it's a lot to take in at first. But once you've got it, you've got it. Yeah, they do. They do a very good job of explaining what's going on. I think at the end of the movie, it's not a complicated film. But this, at this point, it feels complicated, even though it isn't. Yeah, it's just a lot all at once. You're taking in a lot of new concepts and there's a lot of stuff that's slowly explained over time like why does he eat the chapstick Mm. and stuff like that i think there's other bits where it's kind of it's interesting that you mentioned like jackie chan and stuff like that because like a lot of it is kind of a lot of the action is kind of over the top and reminds me of like old school jackie chan films Mm. where people are just flying a bit too far and thrown a bit too far it kind of feels a tiny bit super powery, even though technically I think they don't have they. He's not. None of them have super strengths or anything. They're supposed to just have the skills of a different universe. Yeah, it's it's definitely a love letter to sort of 60s, 70s Hong Kong cinema, yeah, like Bruce Lee. Tiger, yeah, Dragon. like and I've not ever actually sat down and watched those films but i know of them do you know what i mean i but we know what they're referencing we know that sort of over the top 
action that doesn't really make sense, but it's very entertaining to watch. Yeah. And yeah, they don't have superpowers, but we see, like, we imagine that this version spent 50 years just doing press-ups on her little fingers, which means she's got the strongest little fingers in the world, and suddenly you inquire, like acquire that skill. It makes sense. They make it make sense. Like, there's a point when one of the characters needs to hold their breath for a while. So there's a version of Evelyn that was blinded as a child, so became an opera singer. And because they were an opera singer, they had a really good lung capacity. It's very clever ways to sort of get out of situations. And I, like, as it went on, I really looked forward to seeing these diverging timelines and how this character was going to get a skill to get them out of the situations. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. And I liked some of the explanations, as you said, like the opera singer, they, they didn't always go for the easiest reveal. No, cause you, you sort of, you see the flashback and the young Evelyn trips over and blinds herself. And I'm like, how is this going to help? Like, uh, yeah, it always comes out of nowhere almost. Um, yeah, felt a bit like, felt a bit like Family Guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it kind of goes off at a tangent where you go, what on earth is this about? And you go, oh, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, circle yeah. back around to it eventually. Yeah, does a lot of that jumping off into different places. Uh, but it still works, pushing the entire story. But it 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 gives this massive amount of energy to everything. Like in between, even fight scenes and them running or doing something, there's always extra tidbits of story, always extra bits of content in there, which I think gives it this amazing pace. It this film's what two hours and. 20 minutes yeah didn't really feel like it once it gets going it gets going and it was entertaining i yeah the time really flew i feel like i wasn't watching a film that was dragging out because it was constantly it was like an adhd film it was like go 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 yeah yeah it (laughs) yeah it probably aimed at the tiktok generation do you know what i mean Ah. like those with short attention spans. It was just seven seconds films laid back to back to back to back to back. There was always something going on, whether in the background, like they would even get like exposition out during a fight scene, like two characters talking to each other while just mowing down bad guys. It was fun. I really liked this film. It was just fun. It was fun. It was a. It was also kind of cool new concept to the multiverse. It's such a cooler multiverse concept than the Marvel world. Yeah, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, there is literally a point when it goes. No. Yeah, we, the more random, the better. It, it doesn't make sense, and we don't we know why will, it doesn't make we sense. We will circle back to that because I thought the humor was so up and down in this film. It genuinely made me laugh. And then there are other points where I was going, what? Who made this? Uh, Like, there's no silly humour at the start 
apart from there's like cute humor with the with Waymond. And then as the film progresses, it gets like more teenage boyish in the humor. It goes like weird and then unpleasant weird back to weird. If you know what I mean. Yeah. But I th- I think that's because it's showing it's everything, isn't it? It is silly, it's serious. They're trying to cover all bases, I feel. Yeah. There is yes, this is a family drama at its core. But it touches on almost all genres. Like there's small horror bits, there's comedy, there is stupidness, there is family guy sort of moments, as you said. I don't know, up and down for me, the middle section. Up and down. Bits I really liked, bits I got lost on. Um yeah, I don't think it was don't think it was perfect for me. But um with the amount of Academy Awards and stuff, I just found like a lot of the toilet humour just really unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Is is this the first Oscar winning film to have toilet humour? Very possibly. So the bagel. The everything bagel. So it has been it has been theorised, hasn't it, that the universe is a bagel shape. It yeah. But I feel like everything's been theorised. Yeah, true, true. Depends on who um, you ask. Yeah. Because we <laughs> I mean it could it could be. I can't prove that the universe is not bagel shaped. Uh, and we don't fact check on this podcast. We do, we famously do not fact check. Citation um, needed. Yeah. Citation needed the universe is a bagel. I thought it was nice. I thought it was a cool concept. It was kinda like the scary bad guy behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. The actual bad guy was the bagel that's destroying everything. And uh, Joy, a.k.a. Jobu Dubaki, which is really hard to say, um, is kind of like the misunderstood henchman, which I liked. Yeah, I liked that there was complex layers to this. Bad yeah. guy, air quotes. Jobu um, wasn't just all bad. No. Which I feel any good villain is. Exactly. There yeah. are layers. And very well... This film is very well written, I feel. Yeah. It might not have all landed for yeah. you, but I can't imagine sitting down and writing putting pen to paper and writing this film how do you even start well you start with a short film and then take a lot of drugs do you think yeah yeah must be (laughs) so after attacking Deirdre due to a misunderstanding Alpha Wayman's cryptic advice and discovering Wayman's divorce papers Evelyn is taught how to verse jump to combat Jobu's minions who converge on the IRS building. She experiences other universes in which she's made different choices and flourished, such as one in which her not marrying Waymond led to her becoming a Kung Fu master and a film star. Alpha Wayman believes that Evelyn, as the greatest failure of all Evelyns in the multiverse, has the untapped potential to defeat Jobu. Gong Gong is taken over by Alpha Gong Gong, who instructs Evelyn to kill Joy to stop Jobu from using her to enter Evelyn's universe. Evelyn refuses, 
and decides to face Jobu by gaining powers through repeat verse jumping. Alpha Gongon, convinced that Evelyn's mind has been compromised like Jobu's, sends soldiers after Evelyn. While they fight, Jobu locates and kills Alpha Waymond in the Alpha verse as Jobu confronts Evelyn in her universe. Evelyn, my, Evelyn's mind splinters and she collapses. So here's where we get a few things that I don't get. Okay, go. So, Evelyn splinters her mind to become like Jobu by doing lots of verse jumping. Yeah. However, Alpha Waymond said he's met thousands of Evelyns mm-hmm. and has been trying to fix this for years. Yeah. So he's done loads and loads and loads of verse jumping. Yeah. Why hasn't his mind splintered? So, they actually explain this in the film. I'm, so they I'm, say... I'm, after saying this, I do remember him saying, you yeah, need to train. <laughs> you're, a, you're a pot, and every time you... You're a pot full of liquid, and every time you jump, an, a crack appears in the pot, meaning that a little bit of liquid falls out. And the more times you do it, the more cracks appear. But as you, you need to be trained to repair the cracks, basically. Uh, and Evelyn is never trained, is she? Yeah. She she's verse jumping and she's figuring this out, but her mind is fracturing because she doesn't know how to shut the universes out once she's finished with them. Mm. So there's your explanation in the film. Oh, very good, very good. Um, some weird universes. The um, hot dog fingers, yeah. Hot dog fingers, Joel. I was not expecting a two thousand and one a space odyssey reference in this film. Oh no. And there it was. Gave me PTSD. Got flashbacks, but yeah. Absolute flashbacks. Why will this film not leave us alone? <laughs> it's it's terrible, but apparently filmmakers love it. Film so. makers love it. And that hot that it's just uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It oh, and really disgusting. Is. It's the, just the minion. ketchup and mayonnaise. It's, this is what I, I'm talking about. Like suddenly, toilet humor, like teenage yeah, boy humor, just came in, and yeah. it's so unexpected because this section, this middle section of the film, is full of it. It's full of toilet humor. It's full of all sorts of stuff, and which isn't present in all the rest of the film. But you, I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head there, though, when you said it's unexpected. Because yeah, the whole point of this film unexpected. is you have to be unexpected. Yeah, fine, fine, and fine, Evelyn fine. isn't trained and therefore she's creating these absolutely bizarre universes. Because the characters themselves in the film are confused by them. They're like there's we've, she's in a universe where everyone has hot dog fingers. It's like what because it's such a rogue timeline that at some point in human history there was apparently these creatures with hot dog fingers and they managed to defeat Homo sapiens. It's like, it doesn't way. make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to make sense. It's meant to show God knows how Evelyn has created this universe. Hmm. Although um, she's not creating the universe, she's just got massive Yeah, the universe is always there. It's just she's somehow managed to verse jump into it, slingshot into it, as they explain in the film. 
No, it does. It does make for some good, good set pieces, good fights, and so mm. forth. But yeah, there's just some weird bits in this middle bit, and I, I know there's. It's supposed to be strange, but this middle bit is. It could have been shorter. You know what I mean? There were some gems and there were some weak bits. And because it's all happening so fast, I'd find myself gaining interest and losing interest in like minute by minute. It was weird. Not a usual movie watching experience. It was a bit more like scrolling down Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They were literally there for a minute. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. before my brain could even fully comprehend what I'm seeing, we're already onto another one, like another yeah. weird universe. I um, think the the impressive bit about the writing is that there's up bits and down bits, and it was scattered all around. But I still had the momentum of the film. It still yeah, kept overall. Yeah. It was still very good. Which is you um, like sort of described that to me. I would have said. Oh, that sounds like a mess. But they make it work. Yeah. It in the grand scheme of the entire film, it works. It fits. Thematically it actually fits in this world. And there is I mean, there's a universe, isn't there, where she, Evelyn becomes Michelle Yu. She becomes the actress that she, is playing her. It's a bit meta. Very meta. She becomes a it's literally her life story, isn't it? It's I don't know if it's actually true that Michelle Yeoh was mugged once and then was taught Kung Fu, but she becomes this very well-trained Kung Fu movie star. Um, yeah, it's very meta. I enjoyed it, but it's hard work, this. it Yeah. It's... You've got to be sweet. This is not a casual watch. No. Um, And you, you can't casually watch it because there there's a lot of subtitles... Um, and you have to be engaged to understand what's going on. This is this is a film that is already... The casual watchers are stopping watching after the laundromat. They're not making it to the IRS. No, not a chance. Um, it's there to root out the, not, the, the non-engagers, isn't it? Yeah. But I think it means that this film has a very devoted fan base. And a, I don't know. And a very yeah, switched-on fan base. Do you think there'd be a second one? I don't know. Do you? It doesn't make sense to be a second one. I know we it haven't doesn't, even finished but it about also, the film, but that kind of suits this film. <laughs> Doing it all it in weird orders. It doesn't make sense to be this film in general. So yeah. they could They could do, do a sequel. Yeah. It mean, could be could literally... They can do everything everywhere all at once. So, Evelyn's consciousness uncontrollably verse jumps alongside Jobu's across the multitude of bizarre universes. Jobu explains that she's been searching for an Evelyn who can see as she does, that human existence is pointless and that nothing matters. She brings Evelyn to the Everything Bagel, saying that she wants to use it to allow herself and Evelyn to truly die. Upon looking into the bagel, Evelyn is persuaded and acts cruelly in other universes, hurting those around her. So this is like the classic. Does does ever anything matter? Really, with people on a rock, does anything matter? Hurtling through space. I liked how even though they jumped between universes together, different personalities came out in different universes, despite it being the same two people. 
and I liked in the the rock universe, which was weird but great. That was good weird. There's sometimes there's good weird in this, and sometimes there's bad weird in this. The rock universe, good weird. The rock sequence was really good, where it was a peaceful world with no distractions, nothing, and they actually talked for a bit, which was like the first time. Yeah, and it is just words on the screen. You're just reading it. I loved that bit. I thought it was really good. It was just brilliant. It's Shame a universe. everything only lasts a minute in this film, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's Evelyn, isn't it? It's Evelyn misreading the situation. Well, the same way. And pushing away people. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly, it's parallels. It's, she's thinking, oh, to fix this, I need to push everything away from me and become well, secluded. Well, the, the nothing, nothing matters. But Literally, the problem yeah. is, if you say nothing matters, then you also have to agree that everything matters. And Which brings us on to the next section of the film. As Evelyn is about to enter the bagel with Jobu, uh, she pauses and listens to Wayman's pleas in her universe for everybody to stop fighting and to instead be kind, even when life does not make sense. Evelyn has an existential epiphany and decides to follow Wayman's absurdist and humanist advice, using her multiverse powers to find what hurt those around her and bring them happiness. She repairs her damage in the other universes and using her multiverse powers to find what hurt those around her and bring them happiness. In doing so, she repairs her damage in the other universes and non-violently neutralizes Alpha Gong Gong and Jobu's fighters. In her home universe, Evelyn reconciles with Waymond and tells Gong Gong of Joy and Becky's relationship and talks with Deirdre after Waymond convinces her to let them redo their taxes. Jobu decides to enter the bagel alone, while simultaneously in Evelyn's universe, Joy begs Evelyn to let her go. Evelyn tells Joy that even when nothing makes sense, and even though she could be anywhere else in the multiverse, she would always want to be with Joy. Evelyn and the others save Jobu from the bagel, and Evelyn and Joy embrace. Sometime later, with the family's relationship improved, they return to the IRS building to refile their taxes. As Deirdre talks, Evelyn's attention is momentarily drawn to her alternative selves and the multiverse before she grounds herself back in her home universe. The end. I think it's a good ending because it's a crazy, crazy middle bit. And I think the only way to sort of bring a crazy plot together is with simple answers and that's what this does the answers are super super simple and what brings the plot together is super simple be nice to people be kind to joy and give her the chance to be her own person that is the answer to the overall themes that were introduced all the way back in the first 10 minutes and it ties the first 10 minutes with the last 10 minutes perfectly which makes it a really satisfying plot doesn't it it you can very easily chop out that two hours and put the ending on the beginning of that beginning section and just prolong your short film it fits 
perfectly and summarizes yeah. what they say. I think up. you could easily say that in a negative way in saying it's that very nothing in the middle matters. But it does. It gets it, it gets you there in a in a cool, interesting way. But I think every section of this film works as a section of the story, uh, which gives it a really good flow. Despite being horrendously intense and a it, yeah. hard old watch, you gotta be you've gotta be paying attention. It's, it's it's nice to see character development. I think there's character arcs in this. I think there's a good overall plot arc. I think there's good message to it that actually everything matters and you've got to be kind to people. Uh, it's almost like a good like kids' film in a way. At the end of it has morals, it has themes, it has its good happy ending, despite it being an absolute eaten mess of a film. Yeah, but it's not a perfect ending. No, like we, they've still got their problems. They've still, like got, their still problems. got a failing business. They've got a failing business, and even when they go back to the IRS, you hear Deidre go, I mean, this is better, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Um, but they're willing, I mean, they're now willing to listen. And they're now happy the, as a yeah. family. Yeah. They were closed off before and sort of unwilling to change. And now they're happy to accept each other. And happy to listen. I think there's a big bit a bit about this film of being happy with what you've got and being happy with your with your own life. Yeah, and to to notice the small details. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Wayland just adds googly eyes to things because that's what makes him happy. And I agreed. I liked that it. Do you know what I mean? Characterizes inanimate objects. That is a cute thing to do, and. Mm. If I were in that universe, I would find that funny. Just coming across random things with googly eyes on, it would make me... It would give you a little moment to just laugh. I wouldn't lie. This one's this one's been a tricky one to talk about. Yeah, not everything that happens in this film is connected to the overall plot to talk about. Do you know what I mean? We could break down literally every single universe that we see, like the anime universe, the sort of the darker universes but hot dog universe yeah we we discussed but it's (laughs) they exist but i feel like you should experience them yourself i think the really good bits of the film like where we've been talking about over the last like however long we've had to kind of strip back a lot of the complications to get it like Mm. it's almost like peeling the banana to get to the fruit it's like the really, really strong bits of this film are like the character arcs and the um, themes and so forth. And and they're really strong, but it's almost like we had to peel back a load of a load of stuff to get there. I think there was a load of stuff that just didn't need to be there. This film could have been 20 minutes shorter and better. Yeah, I agree. You probably could chop stuff out of this. And I do wonder if stuff has already been chopped out of this. Probably. Um, I'm glad that Rakatui didn't get. Oh, we haven't even discussed the raccoon on your head universe. I know. That is definitely a dig at Disney. Yeah. It's it's Ratatouille, but it's a raccoon. 
Um, it's great. It's brilliant and really funny and really absurd. And I was howling with laughter. Yeah. At those scenes and that, just that puppet and brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. so bad as well, the puppet. Because, like... because she comes, doesn't she? She comes back from a verse jump talking about it, but we don't see it. And then we just, yeah. we come to this universe where you just assume she's a chef and then walks yeah. into the kitchen to see the raccoon controlling them with her breath, like the hair. Again, I love all those little twists and those mini stories. It's just... Where you think yeah. it's one thing and then it's a different thing. It's, yeah, good fun. This film has become the most awarded film of all time. A record... Really? A record previously held by The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, doesn't deserve it. That surprises me, because for me, those two films are in different universes in terms of oh no absolutely like that's that's mad to me they both do what they do very well did this win best picture uh this one this one best picture well that's wrong this so this film was that's a that's a that's a big fat bad opinion right there because top gun maverick was best picture in 2022 so this this film received 11 nominations at the this year's Oscars and won seven of them. So it won Best Picture, Best Director, yeah. Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Best Supporting Actor for Ki-Hu Kwan. Eh. Um, best Supporting Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis, who played Deirdre. Really? Yeah. Deirdre. Uh, best I mean, Original. she was oh, good, but she was a very slapstick character. I, I liked Wayland. I thought it was a good character, well played, but it, it, for me it wasn't anything that special. Oh. I thought I Evelyn would, was very good. I would argue the opposite. This film would not even remotely be as good or charming without him in this. Yeah, true. He did He did bring the charm. Absolutely carried a lot of this film. What I will say, though, about this year's Oscars is I really like that everyone who won was at one point that Hollywood turned their back on them. They were has-beens, mm. like Michelle Yeoh, sort of popularity teetered out over the past 20 years and is now making a comeback. Um, Brendan Fraser, who won for The Whale, was in the last 20 years, his back was turned on by Hollywood. Ki-Hu mm. Kwan went back to China. Do you know what I mean? Like they, and Jamie Lee Curtis, who... His mom, I don't know if you know, was in Psycho. Janet Lee, who played Marion in Psycho, was her mom. So Jamie Lee Curtis is a second generation Hollywood actor, do you know what I mean? Like mm. and had popularity in the seventies with Halloween, but then obviously his career teetered out. So everyone who won this year this is their comeback, hopefully. I think we're in a we're in a we're in a point in cinema right now where everything is either a sequel or a remake and there's very there is not a lot of original uh, there oh, is not a lot say, of originality i will say it was refreshing having a proper original film um it won best original screenplay yeah and best it was actually an original screenplay so it was the only one that year <laughs> and best film editing 
the editing in yeah, this was yeah, very well. Yeah, the editing's well. very good. Yeah, yeah. To to bring something that chaotic together is very impressive. I'm I'm hoping this ushers in a new era of filmmaking and Hollywood. It it's it is. I know we said it about Top Gun. I've said it about Top Gun Maverick. Like that's practical filmmaking at its best. I feel like this is also practical filmmaking at its best. It's just better. Yeah, it feels better. You you can just tell. You can tell the scale to scenes. It's just brilliant, and it's it's proved that you can do it on a lowish budget. And it's it's really proving that the people doing Star Wars and the Mandalorian stuff like that they're just going in the wrong direction with those. 3D green screen stages. The volume screens to give no depth to anything. They make create. They always insist on doing chases on them as well. Yeah, it creates weird slow running, and ah, I I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Yeah. So the volume screens that they're relying on now, I feel like there's an over reliance on them, and I feel like that technology exists to enhance, but not be the entire scene do you know what i mean it's used yeah. it's you they use really well in the batman um so they build sets within them and then use that to show outside like windows and stuff to show cityscapes yeah um yeah and in season one of the mandalorian they were quite well used but yeah i feel like there's become an over-reliance on them and i feel like you've lost scale in scenes and I just feel For like sure. everything these days is filmed in a shoe cupboard. It really feels... Everything feels really small these days. Mm. But then you think back to, like, Gladiator that we watched the other day, that starting battle where they actually burnt down a forest. Yeah. It's practical. Oh, it was so good and epic. And I think we've lost a lot of epicness in films, which this one did get. Yeah. Between this and Top Gun Maverick, I'm happy with... if things carry on like this i'll be happy yeah it's much better much much better right then uh is it my turn to go first close the doors Oof. I, actually, I think it is why not i mean should we say it at the same time <laughs> ready <laughs> i'm ready okay three two one six point seven you went quite low but i understand why you went low it's, I I would say something like Top Gun Maverick. It's like an eight point five. I it's, this yeah. is nowhere near for me. I th- I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. this. I followed the plot. Um, it's one of probably the f- my favorite things I've watched so far in this podcast. Um, ooh. Ooh, 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 disagree. Yeah, I think it's it's up there. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think this will become I... a film you have to watch. Ooh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, I got out of Top Gun Maverick and I went, everybody needs to see this. Yeah. I got out of this one and went, eh, I don't think a lot of my friends would watch this. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Because I mean, my whole point for wanting to do this on the podcast is, so many people have told me that I have to watch this film. Maybe because you're in the film industry, because no one has told me to watch it. Yeah, it was maybe it's just a cir- different circles we run in. 
Um, yeah. Uh, next week we have another Tarantino film. Supposedly his best film, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I guess that just um, just leaves you with the outro. Um, sucker ducky, I'm going into another universe. Bye. Old bottle, allow it. Something. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. If you could like this episode, it would really help us out. Do you have a suggestion for a film you think we should watch? Why not leave us a comment letting us know? You can also follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. Or drop us an email at 1001 Movies Not Seen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. And next week, we have another Tarantito. Uh, <laughs> Tarantito? A Tarantito film.